Katie Kempner, and welcome to Perspectives, which is a series of inspiring conversations with remarkable working women who are leading busy and successful lives. And it's my pleasure today to be talking with Devin O'Loughlin, who's a Global Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion and Communications Officer (laughs) at RAP. Welcome. Thank you so much, Katie. It's such a pleasure to be here, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation. So am I, because you know, you're know you focused on a subject that is so important right now, has always been so important, but really now has been getting a lot of the attention it deserves. So, I mean, in that vein, maybe we could just start with, we've. it appears that the industry and businesses in general have really made so much progress in the past year, but there's a lot still to do. What is your assessment sort of of where the industry now are? Are we in a good place? Yeah, it's an interesting question. And I think I will probably have an interesting answer. Good. Um, (laughs) In that, I think, uh, you know, the industry and all sorts of industries really have done um, a decent job, some obviously better than others, at... um, amplifying and really honing in on awareness and making sure that all of the people within their organization and the different cultures, ethnicities, orientations, um, everyone really feels seen and heard for the most part. And, you know, you're seeing pride events, Black History Month events, Women's History Month events, things like that. And so that awareness piece, um, I think, most organizations have cracked that nut. Um, but where I think um, we, we can do better for sure is moving past awareness. So it's my answer is sort of the thing that I think we're doing well is also the thing we need to now pivot from a little bit. And that's, that's sort of been my assessment and also what I've heard just from colleagues and, and peers and folks throughout the industry as well. Yeah, because for so long, people weren't even talking about it, right? And even when we were just talking before, you have two roles as the head of communications and also DNI initiatives. And it used to be comms was your main thing, DNI, and now it's switched. So companies are definitely realizing what needs to be done. But the question is, is it getting done or do they even know? what needs to be done. So maybe we can talk a little bit about your role now and some of the initiatives you're working on. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's fascinating to me because when you first sort of see my title and consider comms and DE&I, there's a little bit of dissonance and folks don't always see how those two things are connected. And to be honest, um, my DE&I role when it was secondary to my comms role was more of just a passion. I was taking on DE&I initiatives at our holding company level with Omnicom and also at my agency level because I cared and because I wanted to make a difference and and create a, a better culture and a more safe space for my peers and my colleagues. And comms was my day job. And when we sort of Flipped, flipped those priorities within my organization and uh, DE&I became my primary role, comms, my secondary role with my team, I really found myself leaning into a lot of what my comms role was comprised of because you need those skills to 
really strongly implement DEI within your organization. And a lot of a lot of organizations you see will hire someone who's got more of an HR background or that that's you know the primary background that I've seen. But a lot of it is reaching out to people and creating that safe space and using language and communication to foster inclusivity and to get the appropriate messages across at the right time. So it's been really eye-opening to see how much really my two my two facets of my role have complemented one another. And you know, to that end, a lot of what I've spent the past year doing within rap is creating those foundations. And it obviously it's been a rocky year as it relates to cultural, just chaos, um, social chaos, you know, all sorts of hate crimes and things like that erupting outside and around COVID. So it's been, it's been a tricky thing to navigate for, you know, RAP's leadership, of course, I'm sure many other organizations' leadership as well. So we spent this past year really laying that foundation of openness and communication and trust amongst our people, in addition to starting to really hone in on some of the ways that we can impact our ways of working, right? Because like I mentioned before, moving past that awareness phase and really integrating DEI considerations into every facet of your business is leveling up, is 2.0 to what everyone is doing. So you need to think about for for rap which is a creative marketing agency how are we ensuring that dni considerations are in our client briefs so that as soon as we talk to a client about a project and brief it out to our teams we're considering how dni should be reflected in what we're doing or has implications in what we're going to create rather than retrofitting it where you see you know i don't even have to go into the examples but examples of ads and things like that that just miss the mark or were offensive. If you, if you start DEI right at the beginning, you hopefully circumvent a lot of those problems, but also ways of working as in how do we make sure that our talent have appropriate sort of career pathways and that you know, our BIPOC talent specifically feels supported as they grow throughout our organization because right now everyone's vying for the same talent. So if you're not creating ways for your existing talent to thrive and feel comfortable and know that they've got a growth trajectory, they're going to leave because there are hundreds of organizations that will take them, right? So it, it's, it's things like that that we've been working on and they're slow burns for sure, the, the, their long tail, but um, laying those foundations is, is, has been a big part of 2021 for us. So it's interesting that you say that around, um, you know, the people having so many options that you have to be careful that they want to stay with your firm because for so many years, people would, companies would say, you know, we want to be more diverse, but we just don't have the talent and we just can't find the talent. So I think right now, 
it appears to be this moment of, you know, a lot of poaching around to the same people. But what are some of the things, you know, I would say, especially, you know, very well-intentioned people, especially in very expensive cities would say, because it would be younger talent, you know, that would start in that, you know, we can't, we can't find enough diversity. So clearly that is not the case and also was an issue what are you doing about that? Are you looking, casting a wider net or? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question, Katie. And again, it's funny that you say, you know, years ago, people used to say that they can't find the talent because they're still saying that. And it's like the talent is there, you know, even at our agency, we're struggling again, because everyone's pulling from the same pool. But that's when you have to, like you just said, cast a wider net, think outside the box. So some of the things that we're doing are uh, creating partnerships with HBCUs all over the country so that we can, you know, partner, whether that's mentorship programs or speaking at their career fairs or just one-on-one relationships with students who might have an interest in our industry and going through avenues like that where those schools and those students might not always have the access to readily available internships or even even folks in the industry around that market or that city that that can be tapped into as a mentor. So exploring those avenues, which has been a little bit easier to do, honestly, during COVID because the walls came down, um, has been helpful. And what I mean by that is RAP is based in San Francisco, New York, Dallas, LA, and Chicago, all pretty big hub cities across the US. But through throughout the period, the sort of more widespread period of COVID, as we needed to continue to hire and everyone was remote, we were able to make hires outside of those main markets because folks didn't have to come into the office. And so that also helped us cast a wider net because we were able to look in different locations for talent that our physical buildings had otherwise prevented us from looking in. And then another interesting avenue that we're exploring, which is in beta phase. So I don't want to get into too much detail about it, but it's really, really cool is exploring a program through which we hire uh, talent right out of high school as apprentices. And what this program basically aims to do is take them through RAP systems and operations and day-to-day for about, I think it's nine months. And the first couple months are a ramp-up period where we're helping them Adult, as one might say, because they're fresh out of high school, learn the industry, learn the different disciplines within our organization. And then the back half of the program basically gives them an opportunity to, having seen the, the inner workings, decide what they might want to focus in on and gives them an opportunity to almost have um, an internship at, at the back half to hire at the end. So we are starting to find ways to look for that talent that, um, as we say, has the talent, but not necessarily the craft. They've got the life experience. They've got the creativity. They got all the things that will create a vibrant culture and brilliant work for us, but not necessarily that quote unquote industry experience. So would that be in lieu of going to college or uh, art school or in addition to it in lieu of it? Yeah, we're, we're looking in more um, 
underrepresented communities for mm-hmm. these folks because, you know, just statistics show that those are the locations in which students and kids might not have the opportunity to go to college. That doesn't mean they're not capable and that doesn't mean they're not brilliant and can't create great work for us. So, you know, this is just another opportunity for them to sort of excel in a different way than they had planned. That's interesting. So if there's a company, you you know, who knows that they need to do things and wants to do things, but they want to, they're still not totally sure exactly where to start, where would be a good place for them to start? I would say a good place for them to start. And as myself, someone who's done this for a few years, this is actually still where I start every year in my planning is talk to your people. Right before we jumped on the line, actually, Katie, I started scheduling a series of 50, five, zero interviews with different people across our agency. (laughs) Are those Zooms? (laughs) Because Yeah, it's going to be a long few months, but I'm talking with all sorts of different people, different ages, different ethnicities, different backgrounds across all of our different disciplines to understand what what they've been seeing, how they think our evolution has been in the DEI space, what they think we can be doing better. And to executives who might be listening, that's what you have to do because DEI is so multifaceted and it's so intersectional that every single one of us has blind spots. You know, I I have my certain experience, you have your certain experience, someone else has theirs, but no one's got it all. So you need to talk to people to really understand. You can't assume that that you know the best way forward on your own. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So beyond DE and I, you know, we you just mentioned all these zooms. I mean, th- th- you know, I can't tell anymore if you know if you're going to talk with someone you haven't met. Do you have to zoom with them? Can you talk with them on the phone? <laughs> and you know, just and dealing with people in different time zones. Yeah, This whole work from home thing for many people has been extraordinarily overwhelming. So as a very busy, high level executive, what are you doing to keep sane and keep certain boundaries for yourself? It's, it's been difficult. I won't lie flat out. It's been very difficult, especially in my role, which is global. Um, I'm based on the East coast in, in the U S but I frequently talk with folks in Singapore and Germany and the UK and, and even the West Coast. And so the time differential when everyone is home and quote unquote available 24 seven makes it tricky to create those boundaries. But I feel like over the past maybe two months, I've really figured it out. I block my calendar in the morning up until I think 9.30. I hope no one that I work with is listening to this. <laughs> And and uh, 5 p.m. onward, I block my lunch and I don't take meetings during that time. I also block Mondays. That's just my day of preference. And I call it no meeting Monday so that I have an opportunity to level set for the week, answer emails, work on any projects, because I know the rest of my weekdays are going to be jam packed with that that Zoom always on time. And to that end, another thing that I've, I've more recently started doing is I don't turn my camera on. If I need to just zone out a little bit or eat lunch or anything really, 
I just say, hey, I'm going to have my camera off for this meeting. And it really gives you that that flexibility and that chance to just catch your breath because you're not on like a light switch staring at someone having to pay attention throughout the course of a 30, 60 minute meeting. So that's been really helpful. And then, you know, the, the other more obvious things like making sure I make time to go for a walk every day. I really like being outside and I feel like I'm stuck in my ivory tower for hours and hours. So going for a walk is just making sure my weekends, I don't work um, it sounds like the basics, but it's difficult to implement. And when you do, it really makes a world of difference. Yeah. I mean, that makes so much sense because otherwise you're sort of like a prisoner, you yeah. know, <laughs> and then yeah. you're stuck. I mean, my company has always, has always been virtual. We've been in business for six and a half years, but I thought it would be great like that. We have clients all over the country. I'm on the East coast, but on the West coast and I would travel so much that it was so nice to be home. And without that bit of traveling, you know, there was a time a few weeks ago where I realized I didn't go anywhere for three days. And I was like, wait a second, this cannot be the way, you know, this can't be okay. Yeah. That's really good, good advice. And in the same vein of advice, I like to end these conversations by just asking is there one piece of advice that has really guided through you through your life and your career that you could share with us? Yeah. When I, when I read through the questions and I was sort of thinking about our discussion, this was the one that actually tripped me up the most because I think that there are a few that have sort of resonated with me and carried me through. But the one that's served me the best in both my career and personal life actually is not being afraid to fail and not being afraid to be wrong. I'm wrong all the time. And I don't think it's common, especially in a more senior workplace for folks to say, I screwed up or I'm wrong, or I don't really know the answer to that because whether it's ego or not wanting to display vulnerability, whatever the case is. Um, That's just not in my DNA to have that filter. I'm like, I really don't know the answer or I really screwed this up. And that's helped me get further because I've learned more. You know, when you admit that you're wrong and then you find the right answer or you do what you have to do to get to the right path, you learn more than just digging your heels in and, and not admitting failure. So it sounds a little counterintuitive, but it, it's really it's really helped me, um, like I said, both professionally and personally, for sure. That's fantastic advice. Now, you said it was tripping you up. Is there anything else you'd like to add? <laughs> <laughs> the only other one that really stuck out to me was continue to be curious, um, which, again, for me personally, is counterintuitive because I'm scared of everything. I hate change. I hate being out of my comfort zone, but I've sort of gotten to where I am in my career professionally because I've consistently been curious. I've asked questions. I've raised my hand to take stuff on, even if my bandwidth was lower than that task probably required. Um, And just that curiosity has helped me build connections and, and find a path that made sense for me. So and that was my second one. Well, I'm glad that you shared that one too. Devin, it's been terrific talking with you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. 